Harrimanology, the official podcast to keep up with Harriman City. We'll take you inside the city, explore the latest news and updates, show you how your government operates, and discuss the issues that affect us all. Now, here are your hosts talking all things Harriman on Harrimanology. April 1, 2021, and now episode one of Harrimanology, the official podcast for Harriman City. Thank you for joining us. I am John LaFollette, communications manager for Harriman City, joined alongside Tammy Moody, who's the assistant city manager for the city. And today we're joined by Chris Blake, who serves as Harriman City's lobbyist. And I can't think of someone to launch our show with than our lobbyist coming right off of our legislative session. Uh, So first, uh, Tammy, we'll welcome you in. Uh, How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm actually, I'm excited that we're kicking off this episode with Chris. I think it's a, a great way to kind of start our podcast series, um, especially coming right off the session. There's a lot to talk about, but what I'd first like to talk about is what a lobbyist does for a municipality and who better to answer that question than you, Chris. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for the opportunity to be on Harrimanology, our first podcast. Uh, uh, grateful for the opportunity. You know, I have, uh, I've been lobbying now for uh, in different ways for about 20 years now, working uh, with the state legislature and with cities and and businesses that uh, that have uh, lobbying needs or government relations needs, and it 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 varies, but the the underlying is the same for for any sort of entity. Uh, during a legislative session, there are a lot of a lot of competing pressures, a lot of things going on, and somebody has to break through that and help make sure that any individual entities needs are known and that uh, the that you're hitting the legislators or the policymakers at the right time with the information that they need when they need it if a bill's coming up that might impact Harriman City they need to know you know what where is Harriman City on it or what are their concerns so that they can utilize that and giving them that information you know a month before the bill is being heard may not do a lot of good getting that information to them, you know, just before or, or when they're ready for a committee hearing or floor vote. It's important that, you know, you not only know the needs that the entity or or Harriman City has this time, but also when and how to get that information to the policymakers at the right time. So that's what I do. I represent Harriman City before the state legislature, before state government, and help uh, you, the administration and our city council and our policymakers, you know, get that information and share those those concerns that Harriman City has, that our citizens have, and make sure that that's being shared at the right time and in the right place. I agree. You know, some of the questions that I get are why we don't just do this ourselves and why we actually um, obtain a lobbyist to do this for us. But we really, you know, during the session, our regular city business doesn't stop. And so even though we're trying to monitor everything that's happening during the session and we're trying to keep up to date on bills and what's happening with them, for us, it is nice to have someone who their dedicated focus is just following that because we have so many other things that we still have to do. Our day-to-day business still goes on. So I think it's a great resource for us. Well, and I, hopefully I, I agree and <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to hear that. But as you know, um, the, there's a lot of time and energy spent by Harriman City staff. You and I are mm-hmm. talking uh, quite a bit. There are other folks within the administration that are engaged. We obviously have our city council members that are engaged. And, and so there is a, a lot of focus on that because mm-hmm. 
it greatly impacts what might happen here, policies. And, but there are different issues that are being impacted. There are sort of general citywide issues that impact any city that need to be dealt with. And then there are issues specific to Harriman. And you know you can't expect that those citywide issues uh, are, you know, anybody's gonna necessarily mm -hmm. worry about those uh, about our Harriman city specific issues. And so there's sort of a difference between the issues that are being dealt with by a legislature uh, during the session. Right. And and it's also true to say that there's several committee hearings that happen all at the same time and one person can't be in several different places at once. So yeah, it is absolutely. nice to have so many people involved working together um, and serving our community in the way that they do. So this year's session, COVID-19 impacted, uh, <laughs> well, it impacted everything across the entire world. It's why they call it a pandemic. But uh, in terms of this session, what made this one unique compared to the other ones you've experienced? Yeah, so this was my, uh, let's see, 2020, uh, no, 23rd session, if I'm counting correctly. <laughs> uh, so this was obviously the most unique. And much like we see, you know, in a city council and other other places here in Harriman, it's obviously had a big impact. The Capitol was uh, eerily quiet uh, throughout the session. Um, and and so it just was weird to be up there and to be engaging because it didn't have the same kind of energy and uh, enthusiasm that a normal session has. And that was both good energy and sometimes even bad energy. So there were pros and cons to that. Uh, I want to give the legislature real kudos for the way that they conducted the session. And I think there are some things that will likely remain as a result of it. One of the things that I think is really uh, positive is people were able to engage in committee hearing process without necessarily having to go to the Capitol. Now, as somebody that's at the Capitol every day and has to park, I certainly like that, but it certainly makes it more reasonable for an individual, a citizen, to be able to engage in the process without having to leave their work and spend two hours and go up to a committee hearing and sit and wait where they could do that online and be able to engage. So much like where the rest of the world, they were having Zoom meetings, the committee hearings were on Zoom, uh, people were able to engage in that and, and and actually testify in a committee hearing from wherever they were. Um, that obviously led to some some negative things or some things that were more difficult. There just wasn't the level of engagement that happens between uh, citizens, lobbyists, uh, other public interest groups and legislators and even legislators to legislators. I think there were times they felt a little isolated just trying to be safe and careful with all that was going on, that there wasn't the, the level of engagement in meetings and uh, brainstorming that normally goes on in a legislative session. And so I, I think, I, I hope that, you know, we're able to get, get rid of that and get back to normal, but keep some of the positives, some of the opportunities for engagement that uh, were a little bit more accessible this year than they have been in the past. So better for general community members who um, want to testify or make public comment uh, harder for those who are, I guess, more regular participants, those who are working on the bills. Um, do you think there can be a good balance going forward, um, realistically, of having the in-person thing again, but still engage with those other community members who maybe didn't have quite as loud a voice as they did this year? Yeah, I absolutely do. And I think that they were able to test that out this year and see, look, we can offer some remote testifying and some things along those lines but we can bring back or need to bring back parts of the session that weren't there. There are important things that happen and whether it's a protest or a group coming up and sharing information about schools or um, you know something else, a, a, a business 
groups showing their different kinds of businesses. Those things need to happen, and they just didn't happen this year because mm -hmm. groups of people weren't able to go up to the Capitol. Uh, our elementary school students who often go up and spend time at the Capitol learning about the process, at least witnessing it and seeing it for the first time, weren't able to do that. And that, that needs to change. We need to have people back in the Capitol and engaging. But I still think that it's valuable to have public engagement in, at committee hearings. Um, and then th that needs to happen. I'll just note, one of the things Utah has done for a number of years is made all of their hearings live streamed or things along those lines. So people could at least listen, but now not just listen, but actually participate in the appropriate places. And I think that's a real nice added bonus. Yeah, I think we'll be really excited to get back to normal. Um, one of the things that we missed this year was the day at the legislature. And we always take our youth council up and, and we have a really active and really energetic and involved youth council. And it was really unfortunate that they couldn't participate in that this year. So we're really excited for that to hopefully take place again next year. Well, one of the groups of people that I was sad for was the legislative interns. That was how I got mm. my first start in the legislative process. These are college students who really are the staff for legislators, and they just didn't get the normal sort of process that happens. And so a little bit of a bummer for them. I know that's happening across the world for students and all sorts of people that haven't been able to engage the way they would like. And so I think getting back to normal and some of those things will be good for a lot of people. Yeah. What were some of the bills that Harriman City residents would be most interested in that, um, that wins or losses or things that you think Harriman residents should or could be aware of? Yeah, I think there are a number and Tammy's going to be even better at talking about this than I because she she follows some of these issues uh, really closely and, and understands the impacts that uh, that they have on Harriman City. But I would I would lump them into two categories. You have, as I was kind of alluding, you have bills or issues that pass that are beneficial to Harriman specifically. And then you have bills and issues that are uh, that impact cities from a more general perspective. And some of those are positive for, for a city like Harriman. Some of them are, I don't want to say negative, but, but have impacts. And, and those are going to have to be weighed, discussed, looked at. Uh, there'll be conversations with city council, I'm sure public hearings where some of those impacts will come out. I'll mention that one of the big issues that we're seeing more and more at the state legislature uh, that's impacting cities is the the, the conversation around affordable housing and what that means for cities. And I think Harriman City has done a great job on balancing that, but it's always difficult because the city, the, the state is looking and saying, we have residents that are having, continue to have children. We have people moving in. We have economic growth and development. We need to see that. We're paying for roads. We're paying for transit. We're paying for these other things uh, to, to deliver these services. And where are all these people going to live? And Anyone that's looked at a house recently knows that housing prices are going up. And so <laughs> how, do you, how do you balance that issue of housing affordability, uh, state infrastructure with, while maintaining, I should say, the city's ability to plan their growth, to manage it, to make sure that it doesn't uh, overrun their, their sewer systems, their own roads, and these other things. And so that's one of the biggest issues that we're seeing this year. We saw some positives in terms of the transportation bonds and some things that we're going to be watching and looking at uh, from that perspective as well. Yes, I think that there were some definite positives. Um, because of the affordable housing issue, I think a lot of cities, their biggest concerns over 
adding to their housing is just infrastructure. Um, they just felt like they really need some help with the infrastructure, the roads, you know, how much can they take of those those daily travels in and out? A city like Harriman, we're somewhat of a bedroom community. We're kind of tucked away. So a, a lot of our residents leave the city every day to go to work. And as you add more, you know, to your population, that's more people driving on those roads, that's adding to the traffic. And so we were happy to see that there were several infrastructure bills this year that offered some assistance, such as um, 244 and 433, which both um, offered some funding to cities to help alleviate some of those issues and yeah, concerns. Yeah, those, those two bills, and, and I'll, well, I'll mention Salt Lake Community College, because I think those are the biggest things where our citizens are going to see a direct impact from those. Um, the, the two bills that Tammy mentioned, one of them uh, directs money. The state made a significant uh, investment in infrastructure, both roads, transit, state parks, trails, and we're going to see a lot of that money flowing into the southwest part of the valley. Uh, folks are not going to be able to recognize Bangor Highway here in just a couple years. Now, there's going to be some short-term uh, pain as a result of that, but what we're going to see is a lot of these interchanges uh, redone and rebuilt in a way that allows more continuous uh, 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 traffic flow, and that's going to be a real positive for Harriman City. In addition, money that uh, used to be appropriated by the state um, is now it's called quarter of the quarter money i won't get into the particulars of it but money will essentially flow back to harriman that they can use to address some of their local infrastructure needs um, and we've taken advantage of that money here in the past in harriman city for example to build the road that will connect the new salt lake community college campus so the legislature appropriated money to salt lake community college to build a new general ed building it'll house both salt lake community college as well as the university of utah um, classes and so what an opportunity for people that either want to continue their education or are starting their education they might live out here work out here want to be able to take classes here without having to drive up to Salt Lake City so it's a win-win in a number of different perspectives and we're we've been working on this for years and we're excited to see it come to fruition yes I believe we started work on that campus in 2010 so it's taken just about 11 years to to bring this to fruition and we are very excited to see that coming out of the ground and when you spoke of um, Bangor Highway, um, that is something that Harriman City Council was very active and vocal in, in expressing the need um, to have 134th focused on um, because, again, that's a major thoroughfare for our community and we do tend to see several traffic backs, backups right there so far just with the population we currently have and we all know we are just barely above the halfway mark of our build out. So. Well, that, that you make a great point on that because this is one area where 134th would have eventually been built just through the normal process, but because of our representatives, um, you know, Candace Perucci, Jordan Tusher, Lincoln Fillmore, Dan McKay, some of these folks went to leadership as they were putting together that bonding bill and said, hey, we need to see 134th specifically called out and redone. The impact there is immense. Uh, we see that every day as you try to get in and out of the city. And so kudos to our representatives, to our city council, to our staff, who were all saying at the same time, this is what needs to happen. And leadership and the legislature was willing to put that into the bill specifically so that it could be done at a, at a quicker pace than it otherwise would have been. Another focus, uh, especially during 2020, but of course leading into this 2021 session, public safety. Um, we heard a lot of the word reform or, you know, a, a lot of other buzzwords. It, it was a 
obviously a very big focus. Um, what impacted Harriman or what could impact Harriman police or other public safety uh, coming out of this session? Yeah, and I, I'm going to say, is it Sergeant Cody or is it Lieutenant? He is now Deputy Chief Deputy Cody Stromberg. Deputy Chief yes. Cody Stromberg. So Deputy Chief Cody Stromberg, one of our Harriman City's uh, police officers, has been really engaged in legislative discussions around public safety for a number of years. And I give him real credit for the work he's done to build his credibility, to learn about the process and really uh, engage in that. And he's done a great job. There were a number of uh, issues um, that have come out of, you know, right now where the George Floyd trial is going on, a number of issues around use of force and other sort of uh, issues that impact how police officers work. And, you know, what, what a lot of people don't appreciate, I think most of our legislature does, is what a balance it is for police officers when they're going into a situation, you know, that they're, they're really walking into a situation with so many unknowns. And so the balance on on how to utilize force appropriately to make sure that they're safe, that other people in, you know, in the situation are safe, the citizenry in general are safe, while, while not abusing that ability to you know, be, be police officers. What, what an incredibly difficult challenge that is. And uh, our, our, our team here was very engaged in these discussions. Uh, having talked to Cody, I know that he feels like they found some good balances in those areas, but Harriman City had already been essentially doing that within their own police force. And so they felt like the, the laws, the changes that happened there uh, won't radically impact the way the Harriman City Police Force runs, but codifies some of those best practices that were already going on. I don't know if you have other thoughts on that. No, I, I was just gonna add to that, that um, but then you ended up covering it, that we were lucky enough that we have a department that's very forward thinking and that really believes in that community policing model. Um, and so they really had already had a lot of these um, policies and procedures in place. And so, um, so I think they really ended up being very pleased at the outcome of the session in regards to these topics yeah so so what happens the rest of the year the session's over do you just take a nine-month uh, beach vacation <laughs> or like what <laughs> no, what, what what happens the rest of the year what does that look like my kids uh, my kids often ask me what i actually do for a living they say it sounds like you just go to lunch a lot dad and so they, they do they do ask that question of me no I, what what's going on now is really preparation for the upcoming session and and i'll just make note this last what we call interim, the time between when the legislature ends and the legislature begins. Last year, like for everyone, was the busiest interim I ever remember. And that was obviously because uh, of COVID and the impacts that were going on. There were changes constantly, a number of special sessions. I think we did six. It may have been five, may have been seven, but six special sessions, which obviously take up a great deal of time and have impacts on um, on what's going on. For example, last year we actually got the money appropriated for the Salt Lake Community College building. It was stripped away and so we had to spend this next year making sure that people understood, okay, this is why we appropriate for it. Let's hope we have the money. We did. We were able to get that reappropriated and and now assuming no more global pandemics, we can, we're able to start building on that here in July. Um, but yeah, really what is happening is a lot of conversations, a lot of discussions where there's more time to have those conversations. So you might have uh, legislators, you're meeting with them, bringing them on tours, having conversations about specific policy goals or issues that you want to have dealt with in the next legislative session. And so that's, that's a big part of it. Um, in addition to that, what we're going to see this year is as a result of the 
recently passed American Rescue Plan out of the U.S. Congress and potentially uh, more sort of infrastructure packet packages passed by Congress, you're going to see a lot of conversation around how those monies are spent, what they can be used for, um, how the how the state is going to monitor those. You know, there are different rules on federal packages or federal dollars. And so we'll be spending a lot of time working on that, making sure that we know how can we best utilize this money on behalf of the citizens and businesses here in Harriman. And you have experience, uh, Tammy, doing that here already with the COVID packages that have passed. But that's that's how we'll spend a lot of time from a legislative perspective uh, this 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 year. Yes, well, and we're looking forward to getting more information about how that's all going to roll out and, and how cities are going to be able to utilize those funds in order to continue helping their local businesses and their residents. Um, and, and Harriman was very creative this year in working through ways to assist our communities um, with those funds. Um, we did our city shop around program, which was so successful successful that we ended up running it three times. And we still get regular requests from our community to do that program again. Um, it really um, helped stimulate a lot of the businesses here locally. Our business owners were so appreciative of it and they loved participating in it. And the residents loved it as well. It was, it was a program that benefited both sides. We didn't just focus on the business. We didn't just focus on the residents. We kind of married the two together and put together this program that, that ended up being very successful. Um, so we do look forward to hearing about exactly what those dollars are going to look like, how they're going to benefit communities, and then um, we'll put together our programs to roll them out and continue to provide assistance for our residents. If you could click a button and help residents learn something about what you do, um, how it impacts Harriman City, how it impacts their daily lives or the legislative session, anything. If you could make one magic click of a button, if you could help them learn one thing, what would that be? Wow, that is a that is a deep question. I you know here here's what I would say is, um, I I would I would. I would ask citizens to uh, spend some time looking at and listening to, if I could, and you know, obviously I spend my all day, you know, listening to committee hearings and engaging in this and talking about that. And it's unrealistic to expect a citizen to engage, you know, in, at that kind of level. They have their own lives, they have their own families, they have their own issues that they're they're having to deal with. They're not paid to do that. Um, but having a, a better understanding or or listening to what's going on, I think, is important because often we all react to the easy narrative or the easy story, and without you know, it's always more nuanced than that and more challenging than that. And I think that complicates policymaking, and that that's part of the process at some level. But if they, you know, if a citizen were to listen to a city council hearing, you know, and spend that time week after week and listening to the whole thing as, as the staff does and as they're engaged in it, they'd understand that most of these decisions that there's a lot of time, there's a lot of effort spent on it, um, and that they're, that the issues are much more nuanced uh, than they make out. And so, you know, it would be awesome if, if more people could um, have sort of that knowledge um, and that understanding of, of how that works. But you know, at the same time, it's just, it's, it is what it is. So. Yeah. I would say for me, getting involved on the local level, um, I think is where you can make the biggest difference. It's what's closest to you. And so I think once you 
get involved in that level, um, your local leadership knows exactly, you know, what your points are and what's important to you as a community. And so then they can help carry that up. Um, so I would say, I would say definitely, you know, it's hard. There are a lot of time constraints placed on people today, but if you can get involved even a little bit at your local level, um, um, that's where you can start to make a difference. And that you make a great point. I mean, even just having conversations or knowing your city council members, your state legislators, I mean, these are people in your community. They're your neighbors. Um, they live here amongst you. Uh, they're regular people. And I mean that in a good way, right? I mean, yeah. there's nothing particularly special about them. They've decided to get engaged. And um, and that's just such a cool part of the process. But they are people that have their own thoughts and opinions. And you can have an impact on them by just having a conversation with them, you know, being understanding that they're under a lot of pressure. And a lot of people <laughs> are talking to them, but they're trying to do what they think is best and right. And uh, that that takes a lot of balancing. And, and it's always good to engage with them on that in that level. Thanks for joining us, Chris. This Thank was, you. This was uh, enlightening. I think residents will really enjoy everything we learned today. Um, of course, we could spend hours and hours and hours going into the details <laughs> of what happened, exactly why it's important, but we really appreciate the summary today. Thank you. Well, and we'll look forward to working with you during the interim and then, of course, next year during the session. Absolutely. All right. We will let Chris go. And really quickly here before we end the episode, we'll let you know what's coming up on the calendar here in Harriman. Listen up and get ready to mark that calendar. Yeah, every day is something new. Here's what's coming up in the next few weeks in Harriman. All right, coming up first on the calendar, starting on April 5th, is Hungry Harriman. Very popular food truck roundup at Crane Park. That will take place 5 to 8 p.m. Uh, every Monday throughout the summer, starting on April 5th. Uh, come and get some grub. Starting on April 12th will be a series of community meetings surrounding the general plan. Uh, so as you may or may not know, hopefully you know by now, uh, Harriman City is updating its general plan. Uh, a draft has been created and has been distributed to city leadership. And uh, there's been some feedback there. Now we're ready for the community to review the draft and give your feedback. So there will be six meetings starting April 12th uh, through the 26th. And how they'll work, uh, April 12th and April 26th will be virtual only. Uh, there will not be an in-person option. And you can find the link to join those meetings at harriman.org slash general dash plan. You'll be able to join in uh, to those meetings. There's a link to the draft plan on there as well. Um, at those virtual meetings, you'll see a presentation uh, of the plan, and then you'll be free to give your feedback between 6 and 7 p.m. Uh, those meetings will be recorded. They'll be posted on that same page. So if you can't view uh, live, you can go back and watch those. So those are the two uh, virtual options for the general plan meetings. There are four in-person and virtual options. Um, there'll be a mix, but they're primarily uh, purposed to be in-person. Uh, the first one will be on Saturday, April 17th. Uh, that will be at Butterfield Canyon Elementary School at 10 a.m. At 10 and 11 a.m., you'll have presentations uh, similar to uh, the virtual meetings uh, of the plan. And then for the remainder of that time, you'll be able to walk around the area, uh, look at different displays, ask one-on-one -on -one questions, a kind of open house format with uh, those who have been 
closely involved with the process and are able to to get your feedback and maybe tweak the plan depending on how feedback goes. So that takes place April 17, 10, 12 at Butterfield Canyon Elementary School. Uh, you'll have another one on April 19th and another on April 20th. Those, those will both be in the evening. April 19th will happen at Crane Park um, from 6 to 8. And that will take place next to Hungry Harriman. So you can go grab some food, go catch a presentation, give some feedback, and kind of have a nice uh, evening with the family in the park. Weather should be warmed up and uh, pretty nice by then. Tuesday, April 20th at Providence Hall Elementary School. Same format as uh, the other two in-person meetings from 6 to 8 p.m. And then Saturday, April 24th will be outdoor at main street park in the pavilion and then same thing there 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock you'll have a presentation and then time in between and afterward to ask questions so those are your six general plan meetings uh, taking place the back end of april we really really encourage you to look at the plan the draft plan is available you'll be able to see the presentations at those meetings and we really want your feedback there's been a lot of work put into this, a lot of feedback from city leadership, from residents, and right now there's a full draft, and uh, now is a great time to give feedback before it goes back to the Planning Commission and to the City Council um, in May and June. Now, looking forward toward the end of May, uh, Memorial Day. Traditionally, the city has a breakfast at Main Street Park from 7 to 11 and a ceremony at 9 a.m. at the cemetery uh, to honor veterans who are buried there. Last year had to be a virtual event because of COVID-19. This year, everything is planned to be in a person again. Um, the only difference is you should be able to pre-register to pick up um, a plate of breakfast to be able to enjoy. Then you can go over and watch the ceremony. Um, so that should be mostly normal this year. Um, additionally, the rodeo will be uh, June 4th and 5th at Butterfield Park as normal. We're expecting full capacity in the stadium there. Uh, tickets will go on sale. Uh, they probably already went on sale by the time you're listening to this. Uh, very early April. So go ahead and go to hairman.org slash events. You'll be able to find a link to get rodeo tickets on there. So that's what's coming up. That is the end of episode one. Once again, thanks. Uh, we hope this is helpful for you. We hope you like this. Um, please give us feedback at communications at hairman.org. We want this to be another platform you can listen to on your commute, uh, anywhere else you go. A lot of people have listened to podcasts, and uh, we hope this is another one you'll add to your list. So once again, thank you. This is Hermanology.